Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Man, oh man, oh man. I, I can't match the energy of Charlie and Victoria this morning. They, they just, who, I, I almost got saved by listening to those announcements. Wow. Um. Can you believe that Easter is just around the corner? Two Sundays from now is Easter Sunday. We're going to have two services. Do you know what times they are? 9.30 and 11. I just want to find out how many people are planning to be at 11 o'clock service. Raise your hand. Okay, so here's the thing. I need some of you to show up at 11 o'clock because here's the reality. We double in attendance on Easter. And um, as you can tell, we're full. And I don't know where we'll put everybody. So can you please pray about maybe considering going to the 11 o'clock service? I promise it won't be super long. You're not going to get hangry, hungry, angry. You know, if it goes off, you know, so you know what I'm saying. And so, so can you please pray about going to the 11 o'clock service? And especially because we're going to have so many guests at 11 o'clock as well that we want to be able to see uh, those friendly, smiling faces that are passionate about Jesus uh, on Easter. So thank you for doing that. The other thing we've asked you to do is we're not doing a lot of marketing this year. We, we really feel like there's more power in prayer than there is in marketing. And so um, do, you, do you know where the power comes from, by the way? It's not the power of the person who's praying. It's the power of the person who's listening to the prayer. Jesus. He has the power to hear our prayer, and then to, to do so. I just heard, actually, somebody today came up to me and says, we prayed for uh, somebody to have this heart to want to go to church. And this person was out of state, and she goes, I can't believe she went to church the next Sunday. She goes, my prayer was answered. It's like, yes. <laughs> God loves to answer our prayers. Would you keep praying for God to, um, to touch the hearts of our neighbors, our family members, our coworkers, and invite them to Easter. They're very open. I guarantee you, people are very open at Easter. And in our world today, people are hungry for the truth. Well, that's just a few little bits of uh, information. I also want to say thank you for those life groups that have been doing all their outreaches. I saw a life group uh, get a bunch of cereal boxes for the food pantry in town. I saw another life group pack a bunch of eggs that we're going to do an Easter egg hunt at the Boys and Girls Club next Saturday. And you guys are just rocking it with all of these outreach activities. And so, by the way, if you're not in a life group, there's cards out in the foyer on the wall. You can just grab one of those cards and get connected to a life group that um, works for you. Well, let's pray and then we'll get right into this message. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can come into your presence, that we can worship you, but we can also be fed by your word, that we can allow your word to penetrate our hearts and to transform our lives. Father, I pray that, uh, that anything that would be spoken this morning would come directly from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are on this series called A Resurrected Life. Last week we talked about Abraham. This week we are talking about Samson. If you'll turn with me to um, the book of Judges, and I want you to try to find that, and I want you to follow along. We're going to give you some high view um, accounts of his life. We are going to read a scripture, but I want you to just take a moment um, and find that. There's not going to be any scripture on the screen yet, so, so I'm going to give you time to go locate that. Today, let me tell you where we're going to journey. 
We're going to understand that, that God has a plan for your life. We said that last week, but God has a plan for your life. He has a calling on your life. But sometimes that gets a little muddled and confused because of the decisions that we make in our life, and, and sometimes our character can't hold the calling. And so we're going to be talking about that, but then we're going to say at the end here, we're going to be talking about the resurrected calling. A resurrected calling. That it doesn't matter some of the detours you've taken in life, that God can still use you, and he has a plan for you, and your calling can be resurrected. So we're going to unpack that for you this morning. I want to start by looking, you don't have to turn here, I'm just going to read that scripture for you, because you're in Judges, and if you're in Judges, now go to chapter 13. But I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Ephesians 1, actually verse 4, I'm going to start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Can we say chose us? Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will or according to the calling that he has for your life. So the first question we need to ask ourselves, and I guess also need to understand is realize that God has had a plan. He's had you in mind from the very beginning. You are here today because God has purposed your life to be here during this season of the history of our world, and he has a plan and a purpose for you, he has a calling on your life. Now, maybe you thought that I'm just supposed to live life, I'm just supposed to be a good person, I'm supposed to follow Jesus, but if you begin to understand that you actually have a calling on your life, it might up your game a little bit to say, I better, one, figure out what my calling is, Number two, I better find out what are the obstacles that are preventing me from walking in this calling. And then three, how do I keep myself close to God to hear his voice and making sure that my life stays pure enough before God that my hearing, spiritual hearing, doesn't get um, dull. All right. So we've established that God has a call in your life. He's placed it in you ever since the beginning of the foundations of the world. And so we've got that clear, correct? All right. Now, we're going to go to Samson's life. Samson also had a calling in his life. And if you could turn to Judges chapter 13. We're going to start by looking at this calling that Samson had in his life. Chapter 13, I'm going to start in verse 2. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, Be careful 
And drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come to his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite of God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. His calling was to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. That last verse began to say his calling. An angel of the Lord shows up to Samson's mom and says, this is, you're going to have a son and this is his purpose. God predetermined what Samson's purpose was going to be in his life. Now, on the order of the Nazarite, he took a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow is uh, is really a, a vow that you take that basically says, I'm going to live my life to be separated from the world and separated wholly to God. There's only three people in the Bible that took this Nazarite vow that we have an account of. Samson, Samuel, and in the New Testament, John the Baptist. Now, there's some qualities of of those who took a a Nazarite vow. I'm going to sneeze here in a second. Oh, whew, it passed. <laughs> I was getting ready, though, to... Uh, I'll, I'll give you a thumbs down. If it's coming again, I'll give you a thumbs down. You can mute the uh, microphone. The Nazarite vow had some, some qualities to it. That, by the way, this Nazarite vow is actually from the root word nazir. It's a Hebrew word, and it really means to separate. And here's the qualities of it. That you would be... It could be a man or a woman that they would drink no wine or even eat grapes or any fermented drink. Um, And they were not to cut their hair. It was a sign of their devotion to God. And it was usually for a particular time frame that that they would have this vow. So Samson took a Nazarite vow and his parents dedicated him to this. Okay, let me give you some high level things to this. So Samson was called to save the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. The Philistines at the time were the oppressors. And and they were always controlling and taking away God's blessing uh, for the Israelites. And God was wanting to raise up people who would overcome the Philistines. And this was going to be uh, Samson's deal. So Samson, whether it was a mistake or not... I'm not so sure, because if you look in the scripture, it says it was God's purposes that he did this. But it caused some problems before. Remember we said last week, if if you try to control it, it complicates it. So what Samson does is he gets older, he gets to be the age of marrying, and he goes and marries a Philistine woman. Now, maybe it was the strategy to embed himself into the Philistine culture, but what happens is, is it doesn't go well for him. So he marries this Philistine woman, and, and eventually he, he gets to this place where she kind of throws him under the bus, if you will. Samson, I think, was a little arrogant, and he started um, talking about these riddles. He had just killed a lion uh, with his bare hands, and the Bible says that he like, tore it apart like a young goat. So he's very strong. And um, he comes up with this riddle. Actually, you can find this riddle in, in chapter 
uh, 14, he says, Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And what Samson had done is when he walked by this lion again after it was dead, he found some honey in, in the carcass of this lion and he ate it. So he came up with this little riddle at this party that his wife was having. And his wife convinced him to tell the riddle to the friends. And he basically says, if you, can't, if you can get this riddle, Samson said this to his wife's friends, if you get this riddle, I will give you 10 articles of clothing. But if, if you don't get it, then you've got to give me 10 sets of clothing. Well, long story short, she convinces Samson to tell the riddle. She tells her uh, friends, and Samson loses the bet. Well, Samson's not too fond of this, and he calls his wife a heifer. Don't do that, by the way, guys. Do not do that. If you, if you want to know where that is, um, Judges 14, verse 18. 18. He says, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not found out my riddle. Mistake Samson number one. Don't call your wife a heifer. Anyways, marriage doesn't work out. I wonder why, Samson. All right. So then he goes on. He's really mad at this point in time. He wants to get back together with his wife. The dad says no. He already gave him away to his best man. And he says, I'm mad, madder than mad. So he gathers 300 foxes. I don't know how somebody catches foxes, but Samson does. He ties their tails together. He puts a torch between their tails and he sends them into the wheat fields and burns all their crops. I just want you to begin to start seeing the character of Samson for a moment. Maybe a little arrogance, maybe a little harder revenge going on. Well, he's not having luck with the women, so he decides to go hang out with a prostitute, mistake number two. Men, should I say any more? Um, and so what happens after that is then he finds Delilah. Delilah is another woman, a Philistine woman. And the Philistines basically says, we're mad at the Samson guy. Can you seduce Samson to find out where his strength comes? He kills a lion. After sleeping with a prostitute, he sneaks out of the town by actually pulling out the city gates and the posts and drags them up to a mountain. I mean, this guy is massive. He's so strong. And then he finds himself in the company of Delilah and he gets distracted. His heart gets torn. He starts to lose his calling. I'm just painting some some high-level pictures here to begin to understand that he started his life wanting to have a separated life towards God, and he was super strong. His strength was in his hair. He had a calling to, to basically rid the Philistines. Oh, the other thing that Samson does, he's, he's a little ticked at these guys who, he lost the bet, so he beats up 10 guys, steals their clothes to pay off his, his debt. The Philistines are mad about the foxes. He gets mad at them back. So he takes a jawbone and kills a thousand Philistines with a jawbone. 
This guy's just crazy. But the world that he was called to, he kind of sold out to. And I wonder if the very world that we're called to is so easy that we sell out to. See, Jesus places us, you're going to find your story in the midst of Samson's story. Jesus allows us to be born in this time in the United States of America, in New Hampshire, because he wants to accomplish something through our life. But as we are called to, to serve him and be separated for him, we somehow sell out to this world that we're called to save. Now, we know Jesus does the saving, but he works through us. How could it be, though, that the very place that we're called to really love and serve and save is the very place we sell out to and get distracted by? I wonder if it has to do with some things that are on the inside. It has to do with our character. If you, if you began to look at Samson's life, you saw these places that were some, some places in his character that weren't quite yet developed. By the way, as a, in the Nazarite vow, he was not supposed to be around carcasses, dead carcasses, but yet it was the very thing that he went back to that lion and he scooped out honey from that dead carcass and he ate it. And the Bible says he didn't tell his parents. Young people, Sometimes you do things that you know are not right and you, like, don't tell your parents. Why? Because there's something on the inside of you that know it's not right, but yet you do it anyway. And what that is a reflection of is your character is not yet developed to the place that it should be. Now, just in case you were saying, oh, those are teenagers, those are kids who do it, I'm going to ask you, 20, 30s, 40s, 50-something-year-olds, you know when you do those things that you shouldn't be doing and all of a sudden you feel that little something on the inside and yet you do it anyways, but yet you kind of try to hide it or cloak it. You have to ask yourselves, well, wait a second. Is there something in my character that has not yet been developed that's going to be able to hold the calling that God has for me? And just in case you're, you're wondering, is that, man, that sounds like he's, he's getting hard on us all of a sudden. I thought we loved Pastor Mark. I don't love him anymore. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. Because God is shaping my character, and I'm realizing to the extent that I can walk out my calling that God has placed in my life, my character has to match my calling. Just like the character that God wants to birth in you, the integrity needs to match the calling that God wants in your life. But so easily we sell out to this world and we put one foot in the world and we put one foot to Jesus and we say, God, can't I live this way? After all, you went to the cross for me. After all, you died for me. After all, don't, don't I live under the age of grace? You do. It's not legalistic. But when God has a calling for your life, 
and our character does not match that calling, it will trip us up and we will stumble and we will not produce the fruit in our lives that God's intended for us. Okay, Samson's story. The real highlight of the story is all of a sudden Delilah finally convincing Samson to tell her why it is that he has lost his strength. They've tried to bind him up before with ropes and he just breaks through the ropes. They said like reeds, you know, it's just like breaks the ropes. But his heart got so divided to the attention of this woman. And this is very interesting too, talking about character, you, you got to understand when, when she goes to him multiple times and say, hey, what's the thing of your strength? He lies to her multiple times. But each time he gets a little bit closer to the truth, it's almost like he's taunting and playing with it. Eventually, because each time he tells her something, the people would come in and try to bind him and he would just like rip open. I mean, they couldn't contain Samson's strength was so incredible. The time before he actually told her the truth, he says, well, if you braid my hair in a certain way, then my strength will be gone. She tries to braid his hair while he's sleeping and, and then they try to capture him and no, they can't get him. Do we, do we kind of play that game a little bit too? Well, we'll just touch the world a little bit. We'll get into the world a little bit. We'll, we'll just do this a little bit. It's really not the main thing, but it's just, you know, close to it. I should be okay with that. But it was the very steps as he was getting closer and closer, he gave more and more of himself away to the place that she finally wore him down. He says, well, you know, I took a Nazarite vow and my strength will be gone if my hair is cut. Sure enough, that night, she clips his hair. The guys storm in to capture him, and his, the, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord left him. His strength was gone. And they gouged out his eyes, and they shackled his hands. I'd like to tell you that our hands become tied and our eyes become blind when our inner strength does not match our outer strength. I want you to listen to this. It's so important. I believe that God has such an amazing call on this church and on your lives, but we have got to measure ourselves by what is also on the inside is just not what's on the outside. Because what will happen is if our inside, the character of Christ is not worked in us, the enemy will actually come in, gouge our eyes, and take away our freedoms. That our spiritual sight would be, will be blind spiritually, and we will not have the freedom that Jesus wants us to have, that the Holy Spirit wants us to have. And so he's saying to Samson, we learn from him, but he's saying to us, he says, I want you to spend time developing the inner person. That is great that we can have all these great outreaches and all these great out life group things, all this great worship service, all this great, great, great external, but 
What Jesus looks at is also the internal. And that's what's going to help us to sustain the calling that he has for us. When his eyes were gouged out, and he was in shackles, the Philistines, what they would do is they would bring him out when they would have parties, and he would become the jester for the enemy. And I wonder if we become a jester to the enemy when we, when we lack the integrity and the character that Jesus wants to work in our life. Now, some of you are saying, man, I, I barely get out of my own way in a day, let alone try to measure up to some level of holiness. <laughs> and I don't want you to hear that. I don't want you to feel the weight of trying to perform for God. He never asks us to do that. But what he does ask us to do is allow Jesus to fully have our heart. We're going to mess up enough with Jesus fully having our heart, let alone having our heart half in the world and half for Jesus. But he wants us to have the whole us, all of our heart. We talked about that last week, and we said, are we going to say that Jesus is enough? And so many of you responded to that. And I would, I would say today is, is how is your heart? Is your heart divided? In James 1.8, it says, if we're, if we're divided to the world and to, to, to Jesus, we're unstable in everything that we're doing. That means that we're, just, we're not going to be on sure footing. And we run the risk of keep getting closer and closer to, to be in this world that we're called to save or to be in this world. And then all of a sudden, we get spiritually blind and our and we get, get bound. And our freedoms are gone. And our joy is gone. Our peace is gone. And the reason for this message, church, is because God has shown what I perceive as our future. And it's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. But our character has to match. The internal has to match the external. Our internal strength has to be so filled with Christ and his Holy Spirit. How do we do this? So this is how. When you lose your way, which I've lost my way, times in my life, I have. I've gotten distracted. When I was in business, I I started chasing jobs. I started chasing money. It didn't seem so bad. It's like, hey, the more I make, the more I can give away. Seemed right. But boy, it sure pulled me away from what God was doing in my life, what he wanted to do in my life. So Samson, his hair starts to grow back. And I wonder if God works some character in in his life during those times of his eye being blind and being shackled. Because there was a day that he was brought out at this big party and all the governors, all the important people of the Philistines were there. And this is what he says. 
You can read this with me in Judges chapter 16, verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me this once, oh God, that you may strengthen me this once. The Holy Spirit rushed back on him. His strength was restored. And he pushed against two pillars that were holding up the roof of this house. And his strength was such that he, he pushed these pillars down and the house came crumbling in and killed all the leaders of the Philistines. The interesting thing, it was when Samson was willing to die that he actually allowed his true calling to come to pass. And his greatest accomplishments were found when he was willing to die. Think about that for a moment. That Samson's greatest accomplishment happened when he was willing to die. That reminds me of what we're going to celebrate Easter. Jesus' greatest accomplishment when he was willing to go to the cross for us. Why do you think the Bible says that, that we're to take up our cross daily? That why does he say in the New Testament that we need to die to ourselves? Could it be that we know that, that left to ourselves, chasing after our own pride, our own desire for stuff and things, that we start getting pulled away? But maybe the very key for us is to learn how to die to ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. I think that's where Samson got, where he says, remember me this day, Lord. I also remember the one thief who was on the cross and Jesus being crucified. And he says, remember me, Lord, just remember me. There's something about that humble posture of just remember me is kind of like, you know what? I know I'm not worthy. I know I've messed up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a Canadian sorry, wasn't it? I'm I'm sorry. And he came to that place where he said, remember me, and then the spirit of the Lord rushed back in him. And it was that moment where he was willing to die to himself. That he was able to accomplish the greatest things that were really purposed for his life, his call. Repentance has a way of ushering in God's presence. Repentance has a way of ushering in God's presence. And when we realize that maybe for too long, we've had one foot chasing after things of the world and, and one foot for Jesus... And I wonder if he's asking us to be fully sold out. 
It doesn't mean you quit your jobs. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that in your heart, that you say, I'm only going to live for you, Jesus. I'm not going to live for my own selfish gain. I'm not going to live for, to feed my pride. I'm going to live for you and understand what I'm called to. So let, let's circle back around to how we started. Each one of us have been purposed for something by God to accomplish for him on this earth. Each one of us. And could it be that, that we become spiritually blind and we lose our freedom when we actually chase after the things of the world? And that very thing then blinds us to the purposes that God has for us. This is a series called About a Resurrected Life. So here's the good news. Your calling can be resurrected. Your calling can be resurrected when we allow the Holy Spirit to shape our character and fill us with his strength. Our calling can be resurrected when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. And when we come to this place of repentance, his presence returns to us. The Bible does say he'll never leave us or forsake us. I don't think God goes anywhere, but I think our perception, our spiritual sight gets dulled. When we start doing things that we know our character and integrity are, don't match up to the calling that we have in our life. This morning, I'm going to ask, I know for my life, I was not a very integrous man when I was, or boy, when I was a teenager, even through college. But something happened in my life when I allowed the Holy Spirit to come in. And now, I didn't even know much about the Holy Spirit. But in my living room, when I was 22, the Holy Spirit came rushing in my life, and there was something about His empowerment that allowed me, enabled me, to live for him. If you've never asked for the Holy Spirit to fill you and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, would you just stand to your feet right now? If you've never asked the Holy Spirit to, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Don't be shy in this. This is, this is a powerful time. This is a powerful time. I'm going to have other people join you, but I want to first start with those. You've never asked for the Holy Spirit to fill you. There's still time. Somebody can stand up Then I'm going to ask others to join you. Those who have said, you know what? I feel like I've, I've leaked a little bit of the Holy Spirit over time. And I, I feel like I need a fresh infilling. If that's you, would you stand? And if you'd posture your hands like this, where you just kind of like say in a receiving motion or a receiving posture... Holy Spirit, say these words, Holy Spirit, come fill me. Empower me to live for you. The Bible says that when we ask for the Holy Spirit, that we receive. 
And so you should know that the Holy Spirit is now indwelling in you and is empowering you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come and rush upon people and fill them with your strength. Father, that when they leave this room today, that they will be encouraged and empowered to live for you and live only for you, that their hearts would not be divided, that they would not chase after the things of the world, but they would have the character of Christ worked inside so that their calling can stand equal with their character. And then we can accomplish the things that you've purposed for us. But Father, we know that it means that we're going to have to die to self. Anybody here that says, you know, I want to die to self, it's hard, but I want to. If you're standing down and sitting down, you say, I want to die to self. We're not going to go kill you right now. I'm just telling you, if you want to say, I don't want to live for myself, I want to live for Christ. You want to die to your own selfishness? Just stand right now. I'm going to pray for you. We need encouragement. We need encouragement. This is a time to be encouraged in the Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we just want to say, I'm standing. Even though I was already standing, I I stood on that one because I want to continue to die to myself. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live for my own dreams. I don't want to live for my, my own wishes. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to live for you and for you alone. Help me to keep dying to myself that you might get more glory, more glory, God. More glory, more glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this together. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.